right, welcome to In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. My name is Scott McKenzie, and this podcast is uniquely positioned. And what I mean by that, we bring the medical industry, the medical professionals to you, and we talk about better pain management. We talk about rehab after surgery. We talk about improved mobility. And we talk about preventative care. And you know what else? We talk about so much more on this particular podcast. Now, thank you for joining this podcast. So let's get on with the interview. Hello, everybody. My name is Dr. Rick Lehman in St. Louis. And this is In Your Corner with Cora. And tonight we have a very, very interesting program. Uh, We're going to talk about loss of range of motion, which for an orthopedic surgeon is basically a nightmare. So want to introduce our esteemed uh, panel tonight. John, take it away. Hey, Jonathan Shaw. I'm the general manager of sales here at Ermy. I was a physical therapist for almost 10 years, and I used Ermy in my practice throughout uh, my entire career. I went back to get an MBA in medical device development uh, in 2014, worked in startups for a little while, then had the opportunity to come over to Ermy about a year and a half, two years ago, and jumped on it and been here ever since. Dr. Branch, could you introduce yourself, please? Sure. I, I'm uh, Tom Branch. I'm a, an orthopedic surgeon. I have my, uh, I, I was practicing until recently, but still have my license and my malpractice and, and hope to continue practice. I have taken over recently as the CEO of ERMI. Uh, uh, it was originally started in the early 90s as a uh as a when i first started it started to get into practice uh i encountered motion loss as a significant problem with my patients and i needed a solution and the current solutions at the time were inadequate and in developed solution we uh have have expanded it to include all kinds of ways where we can help the surgeon and the patient to to recover their motion. So I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I practiced for 35 years. Uh, I understand the problems of the orthopedic surgeon, and I understand the problems of the physical therapist. I work closely with the physical therapist. I did my uh, fellowship in sports medicine at uh, University of Florida with Pete and Delicado and uh, became very... Uh, knowledgeable about the relationships between the athletic trainer, the physical therapist, and the physician, and the need for team care to improve the outcomes of our patients. So, so having said that, Doctor Branch, let, let's let's expand upon that just a little bit and, and kind of explain two things. Kind of explain the concepts behind ERMI, number one, and then maybe a little bit more specifically. How is this different than other devices that general orthopedic surgeons, sports doctors have at their disposal to improve range of motion? Well, the first thing to really uh, talk about is what did we have in the past? What was available to us in the past, right? Braces, casts, CPM machines, all things that basically beat around the bush. Putting somebody in a cast to get extension means they're going to lose flexion. Putting them in a brace to get flexion means they're going to lose extension. 
putting them in a CPM machine for six or seven or eight hours a day means they're only stretching end range of motion in a small percentage of that time. The rest of the time, it's in middle range of motion. So how, So the problem was, as chief of orthopedics at the Atlanta VA for four tours of duty, those poor VA patients would sit in the hospital with their loved ones in Hayhira, Georgia, with a plan for continued therapy at the Atlanta VA, or maybe manipulation under anesthesia, or maybe a combination of both, plus maybe a revision surgery. And they would be there for months with no relief to go home. And so I had to figure out a way that I could get those patients home, providing the same amount of pressure, right, as a physical therapist. How could I do that? Well, you can't do it with a brace. It's on the sensitive, the pressure goes to the sensitive parts of the body. You can't really do it with a cast because you got to have them back. So you could do it with some mechanical system, right? But what sort of mechanical system can, can do it smoothly? You know how patients respond to a physical therapist's putting over pressure. Boy, it could be painful. So you had to give that power to the patient and it had to be smooth and it had to be instant release. And it had to be in a way in which the patient can use their good extremity to feel the injured extremity, right? You need that feedback. An injured extremity has, has we've shown this, has impaired feedback. The, the, the t- Golgi tendon organs, the, the tissue around the joint is impaired. So it can't really understand the amount of pressure that's being put on it. And so in response to that, you get, right, you get muscle overactivity. So the way you do that is providing feedback from the good extremity. The only way we could do that really is through using hydraulics. And those hydraulics give you instant feedback. It takes a tiny bit of learning, but it's not like an electrical system where you've got no feedback. It's not like a mechanical system that click, 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 where each click has a little noise associated with it. It had to be kind of smooth, right? And so... That's what we, we work really hard to, to come up with and devise. And initially, when I was at Emory, we, we put them on uh, 10,000 patients for free all over Georgia. I developed 10 machines, and those devices were distributed to key places where I was getting patients from. And one of the concerns was if you're putting that much pressure at home, are there going to be injuries? Is the patient going to hurt themselves? And so we put them in physical therapy units in order to really make sure that, and, and, and supervise, so to make sure that they were okay. And what happened was, as the devices started to uh, fall apart, which was interesting, as they began to fall apart, the, the therapists would be calling, you need to fix this thing. You need to come immediately. We need this. And so that's when I realized that I needed to start Ermi in order to in order to 
get a, a, a team of people that could reach out and, and by, by word of mouth, you know, reach these patients and reach these providers to, to explain to them, to, to get them on board with the, not just a device, it's a whole process. That's excellent. So, Jonathan, give me your take on this. So, you, you, you know, your boots on the ground. You've been doing this a long time. You've certainly seen patients with stiff extremities. And then, and after that, give us a few examples. Like, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I'm going to see my patients. I'm going to do my ACLs, my rotator cuff tears. Help me out. How, how does this device help my practice when these patients come back? They're three, four weeks after an ACL. They've got 10 degree knee flexion contracture. What, what do I need to do? And explain this to me uh, kind of in a clinical way from a therapist standpoint of view. Yeah, so, and, and that's a great question. And in that case you, you mentioned, right, ACLs, one of the things I always look at on an ACL is I've got to get the quadriceps back on, right? I've got to get the quadriceps back on. The sooner that quad is back on, I know long-term that patient's going to do better. The ACL is going to heal. Um, but one of the main limiting factors for getting a quadriceps back on is getting that full extension back, right? Keep the knee from swelling and get the full extension back and we can get the quadricep activated, right? And I know things for that ACL are gonna go smoothly, but when somebody comes in and, and they're lacking that extension or you hit that hard infield inflection really early, you know early on it's gonna be a battle to get the range of motion back so you can get the strength back and the coordination back and get that player back on the field. And so when I used Dermy in my practice, you know, I only saw somebody two, three times a week. They would go home and they would, you know, you'd make progress in the clinic and they would fall back. And I used the device heavily in the clinic in those patients that I knew were stiff going in or weren't responding to therapy and weren't getting their range of motion back with standard exercises to be that added ump to to be the, the therapist at their house, right, for getting that range of motion back. So it made my job in the clinic more effective. It, you know, there's only so much you can do in an hour period, two or three times a week. Adding that, that overpressure and that, that effectiveness and getting that range of motion back fast helped me get back other impairments, such as strength, coordination, um, to return the patient to play or work or just regular life. And, and what's the paradigm? So a patient comes in, they have a knee flexion contracture, they've been going to therapy, as Dr. Branch discussed, you know, old school, maybe you would cast out their extension, but then you would lose their flexion. So, so what's the protocol? You, you put them, you have them sleep in it. Explain what I'm going to tell the patient before I order the, the, the brace and before uh, they start to use it. Yeah, absolutely. So we have, we're very hands-on. We work with the clinicians, the physicians, the therapists to help coordinate care and deployment of the Army program at home, right? So we're kind of the boots on the ground in the house, right? So our representative would come in and, and work with the physician and understand the story of that patient, you know, kind of how they got injured, what they used to be like, their prior level of function, where they want to be in the future, what particular impairments they have and how we can help, right? And in this case, right, this person's lacking flexion. So we would coordinate with the PT 
in, in the physician to get a script ordered for that patient, an army representative would come out to the house and, and set up the patient on the device. They would fit the patient, right? We're, we're deploying uh, one of our newer products is the Ermi app to where we take a picture of that patient and we can measure the range of motion in that app. So we can measure progress when we come back. And that patient is going to be on the device. Our typical protocol is 10 minutes um, stretch, 10 minute rest, 10 minute stretch. And we do that three times a day. And so it's just total 60 minutes of stretching at the patient's level of comfort, right? As and we instruct the patient on, on how to do that and make sure they're doing it right. Um, and just 60 minutes a day, you know, less if they can't handle it and they can build up to it. And, and they do that in between their visits every day. And we've shown a 90% success rate in, in getting patients' range of motion back. And, and our average time of use, I, I think, is, is 59 days, John? Correct. It's, uh, it's 59 days. So that's another thing is the, the pace of recovery has increased significantly uh, with the Army products. And another thing that makes them unique that when Jonathan was talking about is there, it's not a wearable item. Um, we'll show you the products later on, but they, uh, the ease of use and the compliance is so simple that that's uh, another real thing that separates the Ermi products uh, and Ermi program from anything else out there in the market. Absolutely. That, and it, it's extremely easy to use. And that's the big thing on the therapy side is compliance. I used to give people exercises and those guys who are really stiff always find a way around the stiffness. And, and with the, the way the device is designed, it, you can't find a way. It's going to hit the right stretch. Um, and you don't have to worry about compliance or the patient accidentally finding a way around your exercises. That's excellent. I think that one of the important points to make here is that we're not talking every patient. Mm -hmm. we're, not to, we're only talking about the 10 or 15% of the patients that are not responding to or slow to respond to traditional therapy. Most therapists do a great job, and most patients are on target. It's those few patients that, that we need to intercede on that makes the ERMI program so powerful. And that power comes in, in identifying those patients that are headed to disaster and then intervening with a good, with a phenomenal program right away before they cost the healthcare community a large amount of money. But give us a little bit of breakdown. Is that more shoulders, more knees? What are the surgeries that you would say are most likely to need uh, a little augment, maybe lose range of motion, maybe be a little bit tougher early in the therapy process, which should then cue the physician to say, you know what, I'm not really getting the range that I may expect or the end result may not be what I would expect or hope. Um, so uh, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to call Ermi and I'm going to go ahead and get uh, a little bit of help. And, and I, I guess what we're looking for is maybe a little insight into which procedures and, and which patients uh, and maybe which joints are going to be the most affected. Yeah, absolutely. I saw this problem very commonly in shoulders post-operative fractures and rotator cuff repairs. Um, I saw, you know, you come, they come in and they're just stiff off the board and their, their range of motion just doesn't progress 
like you would expect over the course of six to eight weeks. Um, knees and ankles, you'd see, see this a lot with fractures um, and, and surgeries such as ORIFs uh, and some total knee replacements and ACLs. Um, I saw a lot of stiffness in those and then uh, ligament uh, ruptures, especially in the knee uh, with flexion issues on patella tendon and quad tendon ruptures. Um, you know, you got to hold those guys into extension for a little while uh, and they get stiff and, and sometimes that, that range of motion is tough to get back. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's, what about, go ahead, go ahead, Dr. Brands. Yeah, it's just about, you know, as you, as you know, multi-ligament injuries are much more complicated. And we, we do everything we can to allow them to improve their range of motion, sometimes before surgery or stage the surgeries. Uh, ERMI allows you to, to handle the problem earlier and still get, uh, still get a good result. And, and, and just for my own edification, we do a fair number of Tommy John surgeries in this practice. Um, is, is that a procedure? And, and, you know, quite honestly, sometimes we do have trouble with extension, uh, especially using this internal brace that we've been using recently. Um, is that an applicable use or is that not an applicable use for your product? Well, I would say that Ermi has a, a, a newly uh, developed elbow hydraulic elbow system that is, in fact, the only system that I've seen be effective uh, in gaining range of motion of the elbow. You know, the elbow is so difficult because one, it's in one of the most painful joints to do surgery on. Number two, I don't understand it, but it gets scarred down so fast. And number three is that uh, nobody walks around with their elbows fully extended. I mean, they just don't. It's not a natural thing like a need to get fully extended. The elbow is not natural to be in full extension. And it's only natural to be in flexion. So, you know, and what's even more important is that if you lose flexion in your elbow, you can't do critical things, eat, brush your hair, toilet yourself. So the elbow becomes, as you know, a, a critical, critical piece. The other thing as uh, when we first started working with uh, uh, the elbow, and we developed our first set of uh, elbow devices, which were more like braces. They were pneumatic in nature. Uh, a high percentage of professional athletes uh, get loss of extension. The pitchers get loss of extension. And the loss of extension results in the need for the Tommy John surgery. So you end up, because of the biomechanical forces that, that in a flexed elbow during its rotation creates, you know, damage on that on collateral ligament. So, you know, yes, we're fully appreciative of this process. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to you taking a look at the elbow device and, uh, in my opinion, criticizing it and improving it. But right now, I, I just don't think we, there's anything out there that's as good as this. And, and that's a huge plus, you know, to hear that. Uh, 
quite honestly, because again, you know, as you know, elbow extension, we don't really have any trouble getting flexion back, but in some of our TJs, you know, I, I get a little nervous when they're not fully extended. And again, in a thrower, like you said, yes, you have a normal uh, elbow flexion contracture in a pitcher. And I think if we can kind of avoid that, especially post-operatively, that's certainly going to help, help our results. Um, so talk a little bit about this care coordinator situation, because that's very interesting, I think, to me and the listeners. Okay, so the, the, I'm, as a practicing orthopedic surgeon, I know that complicated patients made me nervous. And I had, you know, I, I, I was able to navigate and knock on wood, navigate my entire career without a single lawsuit. But that's probably because I was, I'm a little anxious about my patients and I think about them and worry about them. And so if I could develop a team of professionals that gain the, the, the respect and confidence of the, of, of the orthopedic surgery friends that I have out there to help look out after those patients. And the worst thing that happens to you is when a patient disappears. What happened to Bob? What happened to Janet? And then they come into the office and you're like, oh, no. And you're thinking it right in your mind. But if you've got a patient care coordinator out there with an app on the patient's phone, you know, helping you monitor those patients and bringing them back into the office and coordinating with that physical therapist that's across town that you don't know very well. That's what I think is, is, is going to be helpful for you guys. And, and if I can reduce the stress level of my friends out there as orthopedic surgeons, then boy, you can see more patients. They, they, you don't have the complications, your reputation with the payers improve. I mean, all those things are, are, are such of paramount importance, in my opinion, in, in trying to practice medicine today uh, in the climate of, of, of today's healthcare system. Wow, and I, and I think that's a huge adjunct. I, I, I really uh, see that very, very, very uh, forward thinking and, and appreciate that. So clinically, when do you think it's time to give you guys a call. You're seeing your patient. They're having a post-op course. Everything's going pretty well. They come in. Maybe they're six, eight weeks. All of a sudden, you're noticing a little bit of stiffness in their shoulder. Um, fix a rotator cuff, as you said. Maybe you did a biceps tenodesis. You were a little careful early on in their rehab. And then losing a little bit of external rotation or flexion. Scapulas kind of winging a little bit. When, when in the course... Should we say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, or, or when in the course do we say, hey, let's hit it a little harder in therapy? Kind of give us some guidelines, please. You know, it varies per patient, right? I had different kind of algorithms for everybody, and, and that's why we work with the clinicians so closely because everybody has kind of a different algorithm about the types of patients they see and, and when to make that call. And, and Ermi always works to understand the clinician's need. So we don't have a, a specific time to pull the trigger. But generally, the way I thought about it is, is if somebody wasn't making progress, consistent progress for four to six weeks, 
um, in therapy in range of motion, not progress that I would call significant. You know, they may gain five degrees, but that may be measurement error. I would start, I would start the process and start talking to the patient and the physician about, hey, how about deploying an army program to this patient so we can get over this hump and get to the next step. And, and in terms of cost, you know, everyone's cost conscious. Is this covered by insurance or how, how does the cost work out for the patient? And again, what's covered, what's not covered? Okay. Yeah. So um, we all know that there right now there's a huge, huge uh, focus on trying to reduce the overall cost of the healthcare system. We recognize that um, we want to make sure we're only coming with solutions that are, you know, net cost savers. So the, the good news about the ERMI is when it's employed, uh, we can save, uh, our study show, we save on average almost 9000 in direct medical costs. And then we uh, can save an employer um, over uh, upwards of $50,000. Uh, in all, one of the studies we've shown that we've saved the healthcare system $350 million over the, the last uh, 20 years since we've been in existence with the patients we've, we've treated and saved. Um, it's, uh, you know, the, the VA is a large customer of ours. So within the VA choice realm, I know that's something that um, the various therapies departments are seeing. Um, we have where we have a contract there. Uh, and so we're, we can help out those VA choice patients very easily. Um, within the work comp spectrum, we're in network with all your TPAs. Um, so we can help those work comp patients. And that's really been our, the biggest desire has come from the work comp payers. Because uh, again, going back to what we talked about earlier is we get a recovery 59 days of um, uh, the patient getting onto the ERMI product of the full range on average. And that's a huge thing to get that patient back to work. Um, and even if they're not an injured worker, when someone's injured, they're typically going to be out of work, right? So then there's also significant costs uh, to the company by having to replace that person if they're physically laid up or on PTO. Um, as far as the, the various other commercial insurances, those vary by people's plans. So there are different responsibilities they have out of pocket. Um, so that, uh, that, you know, that varies greatly. We do have a patient care, um, a patient services department that can help, uh, you know, deliver the ERMI program to people at a very reasonable rates, uh, depending on their situation. So it's, um, you know, we, we do have answers for lots. All the people who are underinsured is really the biggest thing we see out there now with the commercial side. Almost everyone has insurance. It's just, it doesn't cover anything. Um, so whether that be ERMI or any other product on the market. So that's why that patient, um, why that patient services department is uh, so important because people are underinsured and we can help deliver them a cost-effective solution that fits their budget. It has to do, uh, Dr. Lehman, with, uh, with the stakeholder. And the stakeholder of, uh, in the in the world of triple damages uh, is going to really come right and, and ask for us. And the triple damage stakeholder are the ones that have health care costs, disability costs, and replacement costs. And that's a significant portion of the population. The commercial insurance companies are just now realizing that the vast majority of orthopedic injuries have an impact on worker on on their work, patients' work, and so it's very difficult for a commercial insurance to approach a large uh, uh, a company like, for instance, Home Depot, uh, and and sell them insurance if they're not going to figure out a way for their average employee who is injured 
in, in the uh, church baseball league uh, to be able to return to work to, to Home Depot. And so we have employed my, uh, an actuary from Aetna to develop uh, and to look into the large Medicare claims database in the, in the IBM claims database to really come up with a story that the commercial insurance companies can understand because they're under uh, their statistics department are really focused on diabetes and they're focused on these large cost centers and they're not focused on the orthopedic world. Uh, and that's what we're trying to help them understand the value that a patient care coordinator, a teaming, a team bringing therapists and doctors together and a, a system for accelerating motion improvement is really going to have a huge impact on their overall costs. Right. And I, and I think that's really important. And I think, again, in a cost conscious environment, which certainly we are in, um, I think that's very helpful. I, and I also think in a sports practice, quite honestly, where there's a premium in getting an athlete back to play in NFL football or whatever athlete we're treating, um, clearly having a loss of range of motion and going through that whole process, which we've all been through very painfully, uh, avoiding that certainly is, is a premium as well. So I have one more clinical question, and, and you kind of touch on it a little bit, but I'd just like to ask Jonathan one, one question, and that is, so generally you put in someone in an extension cast or a dynasplint, it's miserable. You know, the patients come in, they just want to kill you, kill them. It's just the whole thing just a terrible experience. And, and, and so in terms of discomfort, you know, one of the things you said was you, 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 it's 60 minutes a day to tolerance. So how, how uncomfortable is it? And, and what can the patient expect? So when I'm explaining this to my patient, what do I tell them in terms of discomfort? Because I know what to tell them for a dinosaur. I tell them it's going to be awful. Yeah, and, and, and it is awful. I always used to tell my patients when they asked me about that, I just hold your finger back for a long period of time and do that for 20 minutes and, and imagine that for seven hours. Um, but, yeah, the, the ERMI is, is as uncomfortable as it needs to be, right? The best thing about it is it's completely in the patient's control, right? And so the way I used to coach my patients is bring it up to a level of discomfort, right? And, and don't go any further and, and just hang out there for a couple of minutes. And then once you get used to that, move it a little further. So I always said mild to moderate discomfort during the stretch, right? And then you release it and do it another 10 minutes. And then you're done, you know, for a few hours. You just do that two more times a day. So it's mild to moderate discomfort, right? It's a stretch, just like any other stretch. Stretches are uncomfortable when there's scar tissue involved. But it's a very tolerable stretch and for a, a relatively short period of time, uh, you know, just a few times a day. So it's the, the compliance for the Army program I used to find with my patients was extremely high because they could sit, watch TV, distract themselves, and stretch and just hold it, and the machine does all the work. And get instant release. If they get uncomfortable, they're not claustrophobic. They instantly can hit a button or push a switch, and the leg starts extending, the shoulder comes back down, and the, you know, the big toe moves so that it's not uncomfortable anymore. Yep. So one of the things that you asked earlier was what's the science right behind ERMI? Yes, well, the science is simple. We know 
and I know because I did a study and presented at the Orthopedic Research Society, I, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you, 30-plus years ago. And what we did is we took, we took cells, in synovial cells in joints, the joints that were ACL, injured joints, and the joints that were meniscal injury joints. Now, the meniscal injury joints were not at the periphery. They were all in the middle body or inner. And what we showed is that the synovial cells would go down a fibroblast line if they were exposed to blood. And we know that blood in the joint occurs in an ACL. And so those, those joints had more fibroblasts. And those excessive fibroblasts were related back in the day were related to exposure to VEGF. And that VEGF creates the scar tissue. And so everybody has a different response, a VEGF, different VEGF response to, and other cytokines and growth factors, response to injury. And so what we wanted to, what, what I realized is that you can't stretch somebody to a point where tissue, that VEGF is, is, is excreted again, is, is sent out. So you want to stretch to that point, but not any farther. And it's like stretching silly, right? You stretch slow, it stretches. You stretch fast, it's brittle and breaks. And everybody's a little different. So everybody has their different collagen complex. And, um, and so that's the science behind it. It's pretty simple. And it's something that's intuitive, I think, for most people. So let's talk about the future. What, what does Ernie have in store for the future? What, what can we expect to see? And, and just looking forward, what's on the horizon? Yeah, so, you know, we've been, Ernie's been around for, you know, 20 plus years. And, and we're still innovating, which is one of the most exciting parts of being an Ernie. And so we've got a couple of things coming down uh, the pipe in addition to the, the solutions we already have, one of which we've already talked about, two of which we've already talked about. One is the, the elbow device, the elbow, uh, the new hydraulic elbow. We've had an elbow device in the past, but um, we've made significant improvements on that. And, and, and now we have a new elbow that does both flexion and extension hydraulically. Um, and the patient can just sit in it, set up just like our knee and shoulder device stretch and then come out of it with, you know, even if they, they only have function of one hand, right? Which a lot of our elbows do, right? The, the second device uh, that we have coming down the market is, is a, a bilateral knee, right? Before we had a knee extension device, or not a bilateral knee, a bidirectional knee. We had an extension device and a flexion device. Now we have a knee that's coming out early next year that's going to do both flexion and extension, um, because we all know if, if you get a really arthrofibrotic knee, it's not going to just have a one directional problem. Uh, and the third new device that we have coming out, that's already out actually, and, and, and we're ramping up production next year is our new ankle device. So before we kind of had a, a one device for knee flexion and it also did, could do ankle uh, dorsiflexion. Now we can do ankle dorsiflexion in a straight knee or a bent knee. Right, because before we could only stretch dorsiflexion with knee flexion, and now we can do straight or bent, and it's a significantly better stretch um, uh, from that perspective, um, and, it, and it really isolates the ankle. And the fourth one is really exciting is is the Ermi app, and and this has been something Dr. Branch has has been pushing 
uh, for the past year uh, because it is so important. And, and it's a mobile application that we can deploy to a patient's phone or our delivery text phone if the patient opts out or both to where we can take a picture of the patient in their home on the device, take a measurement from that picture and provide it to the clinician uh, routinely updating the clinician on how much progress the patient is making, making sure the patient's set up correctly and providing that link between the clinician, the patient at home and the ERMI provider providing the ERMI program. So that, those are the four, four new things that are, that are on the horizon for us. That's um, really great. You know, I mean, that, that, that's tremendous. So in closing, John, why don't you give us uh, a closing thought, something we missed, um, any ideas moving forward? So, yeah, I would just say, uh, you know, the, the big takeaway is we're coming around 20 years and we continue to improve all the time. Uh, to go along with those new products that we are launching, we're also expanding our territories. That's where a lot of I come in. We're expanding uh, our reach into different insurances and different partnerships with large employers. Um, and I will say that, you know, Ermi is one of those companies that is uh, really forward thinking. We save the healthcare system money and we've been proven to do it. Uh, we have a solution that is super effective, super convenient. Um, compliance rates are very high. Um, we really feel that we are the standard of care when it comes to motion loss um, because of our numbers just speak for themselves. 100,000 patients, 90% success, zero injuries over these 20 years. Um, so I would just say if you don't have an ERMI representative, you can uh, go to our website, which we'll show you in just a moment. Um, and we, uh, there's a good chance we're coming to a market near you if we're not already there. Um, we already have a uh, you know patient care coordinator, a sales professional in your area, and those patient care technicians to help um, you know improve the outcomes because we all know that uh, nowadays referrals you got to get those patients better fast or you're not going to see more patients. Gone the days of hanging on to the annuity patient. No one that's not good for anyone. So uh, we just want to make sure that uh, you're using all the tools available. We recognize that therapy and doctors are busy. And, uh, you know, we're here to help um, with those patients that are, you know, failing to respond. Jonathan, give us your closing thoughts. Uh, like I said before, I've, I've been, I was a big believer as a clinician. Um, so much so that I started working here. Um, I think ERMI is an excellent product for those patients that, that are, it's no fault of the patient, no fault of the therapist, but just can be very frustrating. Biology's just not not helping you out um, and not, not playing the game it should. So uh, uh, I'm excited that, to be on here and, and be with Ermi. And like John said, we're rapidly expanding. So if anybody needs us, we'll be there. Dr. Branch, closing thoughts, anything we forgot? Well, I would say that, uh, you know, for the future, we are expanding into a, a very – into into looking at a database that includes 11 million lives and when we look into those that database we begin to gather information that will allow you as as my friend as my clinician friend to help you pick out the patient that might be at risk and to help you prepare for that patient so that you're not surprised or that patient doesn't get lost and to give you a patient care coordinator who's going to be at your fingertips to go, would you check on this patient? Is there a chance that this patient's a problem to help reduce your anxiety in when you're seeing as many patients as you see? 
And we're also beginning to explore the area of, of genotyping. We have a paper that we have uh, put together with uh, the team in South Africa. Um, and we're looking at a relationship between knee motion and genotypes to help maybe set up a genotype. You have, we all, as surgeons, we all think, well, we have a redhead here. Is that redhead going to be a problem? Because we've been taught this. Now, but we don't know what that means, really. What does it mean to be a redhead? And what does it mean? Does it mean more scar tissue, less scar tissue? We don't know what it means. And we're, we're, we're trying to figure that out. Is there a specific genotype? We know there's specific genes that lead to increased motion of the knee. So one of, that's one thing that we're, we're beginning to explore. The second thing we're beginning to explore, the knee, as you know, is a complex little linkage. And to think that you could choose to do or not to do an ACL based on some sort of anterior drawer has turned out to not be the right measure. And it's really a complex three-dimensional motion. So we have a robot that does the perfect knee exam to within a half a degree and a half a millimeter. The problem is, is that when we go to explain this to the average clinician, as you, as you can imagine, it, you know, thinking in terms of three, four, and five dimensions is hard. And, and so that's kind of a tool that we're beginning to, to, to just, just to use that to explore how we can be better as uh, a better provider of, of, of our tools and our program uh, moving forward. So overall, I would like to just say uh, uh, that Ernie is here for the clinician to help that clinician improve patient outcomes to prevent the stray patient from creating that catastrophe and to provide that uh, clinician with a means to bring that patient back into mainstream, right? Back into mainstream, back to where they're just like every other patient and to, and to, to reduce the cost of healthcare, right? How can we help people and reduce healthcare costs? And that's what we're after. So thank you very much for inviting us and allowing us to be here and, uh, and uh, answer questions, etc. You got Dr. Lane. All awesome. Listen, thank you very much. And uh, I think the input is excellent. And I think the clinicians, both physical therapists and doctors, should really listen to this and uh, definitely implement this in their practice because uh, I do. And I, and, I, and I think this is just a huge adjunct. So, again, thank you very much.